Major League Baseball is finally back as the season gets underway. The Ringer Podcast Network has baseball fans covered with the Ringer MLB show playing for free on the TuneIn app for the month of April. Download the TuneIn app for free and listen to Ben Lindbergh and Michael Bauman break down baseball's biggest stories throughout the opening month of the MLB season. And as an added bonus for Ringer listeners, the Ringer Podcast Network has partnered with TuneIn to give baseball fans a free 60-day trial of TuneIn Premium to listen to every live home call from every MLB game around the league. Catch the Ringer MLB show only on TuneIn for the entire month for free. And when you upgrade to TuneIn Premium, you can listen to live MLB games. Just go to TuneIn.com slash Ringer and subscribe. Download the TuneIn app for free and start listening today. Also want to remind everybody tomorrow on the NBA show, make sure you keep a lookout for Bill Simmons joining me as we are going to do a mega playoff preview in preparation for this weekend's games. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me today is Kristen Ledlow. She is on Turner Sports as an NBA reporter and co-host of Inside Stuff. TNT is the exclusive home to more NBA playoff games than any network, beginning with a triple header on Sunday, featuring the first and second round action and exclusive presentation of the 2017 NBA Eastern Conference Finals. NBA TV is also going to have up to nine originally produced telecasts during the first round of the NBA playoffs. She is Kristen Ledlow. Ledlow! Hey, if you could make my intro longer, that would be great. If you I could just do- add some more to my resume, I'd prefer it. I do what Turner makes me do. I appreciate that. We all appreciate that. <laughs> all right. So now we're going to throw you in the fire immediately. Kristen Ledlow, if you had to vote for the MVP, you would vote for who? Russell Westbrook. I would give Russ the MVP simply because it is an individual award. A lot of people talk about the wins that matter, and I do think that that does matter, and I think that James Harden has done an incredible job, especially with his supporting cast out in Houston. But Russell Westbrook averaging a triple-double to set the triple-double record over the big O. We haven't seen that in decades. He would get the trophy if I were the one handing it out. Who have you gotten in the most spirited debate about this? Well, it can be you right now if you no, want. No, no, what no. Your vote go to. No, I'm, I'm Russ. I'm Russ. I think, <laughs> I think, I think that I think you're gonna look in ten years, and if you didn't ro- vote, like we will look back and like I, you know what? I, I almost want everybody to go full bore on this, right? They didn't. He wasn't an All Star starter. Don't make him the MVP, and then don't make him any of the All NBA teams, so we can just be stupid across the board. But I don't think in like ten right, years. Well, we're going to look back, and if you didn't vote for Russell Westbrook, it's going to look goofy. That's my opinion. Well, and do you think that maybe if we don't vote for him, we'll see even a heightened level of play next season? Like, is, is he the chip-on-your-shoulder kind of guy? Like, does he need that in order to continue improving? Because if so, I'll vote for anybody else so we can watch a quadruple-double next season. Well, and that's the go- that's the thing I can't stand about. I just found out earlier this week that they weren't announcing the awards until after the finals. I couldn't hate that more because I want the chip on the shoulder for whoever I want the chip. I want, you know, if LeBron gets fourth in MVP voting, I want the chip on his shoulder and hardens and everybody else. But like, we're not even going to find out till all of this is all wrapped up and we don't really care as much anymore. Yeah. And no question, especially, 
especially because we've got James and Russ going head-to-head in the first round. How much more fun would that be for the guy who didn't get it in order to watch that first round? I mean, come on. I'm with you on that. I would prefer for the award show to be like, I don't know, now, five minutes ago. Is anybody on your Turner set, uh, you know, have they really stumped for anybody else hardcore? Um, you know, what's funny is it seems like everybody's pretty torn across the board and it's not like there's a wrong answer this season. It's tough because it almost feels like the right answers are even the wrong answers because you could make an argument for or against any of those guys. You know, mm-hmm. it, it would make sense if LeBron was given the MVP. It would make sense if Kawhi Leonard was given the MVP. Same with James or Russ. So it's tough to get in a really heated debate because it feels like everybody is wrong but also right. Right. Uh, so before I get into all of the playoff series, I do want to ask you about your role on Inside Stuff, and you're dealing with players all the time. Sometimes you have co-hosts that fill in for Grant Hill. You do it with Grant on a regular basis, but you are around all kinds of different teams, all kinds of different players. In your opinion, the one that you have been around or the few that you have been around that you are convinced is going to make a great analyst post-career? Oh, man, that's a tough question. I think... Well, okay, Vince Carter, I think, will make an excellent one. Uh, That kind of could be considered a cop-out answer because he has worked with us on NBA TV a handful of times already. He did the finals with us last season. I think that he's going to be great. Also, isn't he already, like, 52 years old-ish, right? So he's already, like, kind of well into – I'm kidding, obviously. I love Vince. (laughs) But, no, he – so I think that he'll make an excellent analyst. Um, I also think that a guy like C.J. McCollum, who who actually studied – broadcast journalism in college would make a great one as well. But what's funny is I think a lot of the guys, especially hanging out with them on inside stuff is, is the ones who aren't trying very hard to be great on TV are really great on TV. So I would even go with a guy like Draymond Green, a guy who wasn't afraid to say what it is that he thinks or feels, or even Tristan Thompson. Tristan and I had what we called the Tristan and Kristen show, which turned out to be about a three minute episode, just one time, but he was excellent as well. So I think it's guys who are really personable that aren't even really trying that hard that would make great ones. It seems to me that a ton of them want that now post-career, like more so than maybe 10 years ago. It feels like there's a lot of guys in the league that their their goals after basketball are to be a broadcaster because clearly, I mean, there's a ton of jobs for it. You see former players everywhere um, on every different network, but it just feels like that's a goal now for a lot of these guys is to is to get into broadcasting after their career's over. Well, yeah, and thanks to my dear friend Chuck, it looks like it's a pretty easy gig, right? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't you take that check to go ahead and criticize the younger generation? I'd do it. <laughs> All right, what uh, what series are you assigned to? Do you know yet? Yes, I do. Got my assignment last night, and in the first round, I'll be with the Cavs and Pacers. Cavs Pacers. All right. So you're going to have, do you buy that the Cavs can just flip a switch? We know the record post all-star break. We know the defensive metrics are bad. They had that big night in Boston about a week and a half ago that made everybody think, oh, well, maybe they, uh, maybe they can just flip a switch. And then of course they gave up whatever it was, 44 points to the Atlanta Hawks uh, in that game just uh, less than a week ago in a fourth quarter. What do you what do you buy about Cleveland? Do you think we're going to see the playoffs start? We get playoff LeBron and they start uh, you know, destroying people or do you think that the Pacers can make a series of it? 
I am wholeheartedly sold on the idea that the Cavs have an on-off switch. I think that a lot of the regular season was not a huge concern for them. I don't think that LeBron was gunning for that MVP award, and I don't think that the Cavaliers really were bothered too much as to whether or not they set in the one seed the entire Eastern Conference long. Um, but, uh, I mean, I hate to say it, I, I really do believe that they have that on switch that they can turn on during the playoffs. And like LeBron said before that Celtics game you just mentioned, I mean, I'm the last guy you should ask about a regular season game on a, what, a, a Wednesday? You know, it's a guy who's been to six straight NBA finals. So I think that this is a team. If it were anybody else you were asking me about, I'd say, eh, well, I'm concerned about a playoff on switch. But because it's the Cavs and we've watched them do it already a few times, uh, yeah, I do think that we're going to see playoff LeBron from the get-go starting, what, is that Saturday? Yeah, here we are. Even if Lance Stevenson pulls his uh, shorts down around his ankles? <laughs> or was he the one untying shoes or those JR? That that was I liked that. That right there ranked pretty highly on my petty weight champion of the world rankings. Uh, if he blows in his ear again though, I think Lance may take the uh take the belt from Russ. That's why I did the whole pull down the shorts because Lance has to up the ante now. Like we're counting on him and right. yeah, exactly. Right. And and, and especially Exactly. Especially with Vine gone. Like like he was like the king of Vine. Right. And now we need we need him to do something just totally preposterous. Well, yeah, and now, okay, but you make a good point because with Vine gone, it means that he has to come up with some foolishness that can last at least 59 seconds because who else is going to watch a video that long on Instagram unless the foolishness is at least 59 seconds. So he's got to come up with something that can top the ear-blowing thing. That was about what? That was six or so seconds, obviously, because it fit in a vine. That the shoe untying thing—that's about three seconds. So he's got to come up with something that can last a solid fifty-nine in order for it to entertain us. Now, all right. So you are—you totally buy that the Cavs can just flip a switch, and we're going to see a different, a totally different level of play, even in round one, from them than what we have seen over the course of the last month and a half. I do, and maybe my opinion is swayed because I was assigned to the Cavaliers last year during the entire playoff season, so I actually saw it in person happen. And then I read things, you know, I'm scrolling through my timeline and see things like, you know, no team that has had a losing record since the All-Star break has ever gone on to win the NBA Finals. Okay, well, no team had ever ever dug out of a 3-1 hole in the NBA Finals to win either until LeBron James came around. So, I don't know, all those stats and all that history and all those analytics you young kids like to use, it just doesn't really seem to apply to LeBron or the Cavs. Okay, so what about what is unique? You talked about being with them through their whole playoff run. What is what did you think outside of obviously having the greatest play in the world? What is especially unique about the Cavs, their organization, being around them during playoff time, in your opinion? I think one of the coolest things to watch is a guy like LeBron James, who is hands down the most obsessive and passionate person that I have ever met in my life. But a guy like that, what he does to the people around him, it's such a cool thing to watch because covering a series, it's not just like I show up for game time. It's, I see them all the time. I see them at their practices. I see them at their shootarounds, and they're hours before the game actually starts. So I get to watch the way that they respond to him. And a leader like that, I think that, I mean, I wouldn't say that his leadership is underrated, but perhaps overlooked from time to time because we've become so accustomed to seeing greatness from LeBron James that we forget how great it really is how great he really is and there's not a stat yet and don't tweet at me if there is a stat folks uh, that says okay this guy, how 
much better this guy makes everybody around him. Actually, there probably is a stat for that. I wouldn't put it past the analytics kids anymore. Uh, but, you know, it, how much better everybody around him is because he's there. And I'm not just talking about on the floor. I'm not talking about how much better their offense or defense is because he's on the floor. I'm talking about how much significantly better the lives of the men around him are simply because he's the one at the helm. That is the most special thing to me about the Cavaliers. It's interesting you say that because I know there's probably going to be a lot of people out there that are uh, a slave to the analytics that go, ah. But I think you give an interesting perspective because you are around these guys all of the time, right? And so it, it sometimes it feels as if the numbers get in the way somewhat of the human element, right? The, th- the things that you are talking uh, yeah. about. Because, you know, listen, yeah, I, no mean, I, cover, I cover a team all the time. Some guy's wife is pregnant is about to have a kid or some guy just has twins or somebody, so, you know, earlier this year, Zach Randolph's mother passed away or whatever. There's so many other things that right. go into whatever performance is. And so I think it's interesting that you bring up how those guys respond to him, which is something that honestly can never be measured. But I, the one thing that you did say that stood out to me is you said you've never been around somebody more obsessive than him, which is fascinating because we have described, Michael Jordan was described as that, and Kobe Bryant was described as that. I've never really heard anybody describe LeBron as that. So why why, why do you? Yeah. Let me hear it. I think that some of that is because we don't see as much behind the scenes with LeBron. Um, He lives, for the most part, a pretty quiet life. You know, we've never seen a huge injury. We've never seen him have to rebound from some devastating loss. We've we've never really seen it up close in person, him go through some some personal life-altering. So it's tough to say because we don't get to see behind the scenes with him as often unless you are with the small handful of people like me around him all the time. So I think that's one of the reasons why maybe his obsession gets overlooked. But the reality is he was born, I mean, he's obviously born with a genetic gift. And there are people who could work all around the clock every single day their entire lives and not be as good at anything as LeBron James is at basketball. He obviously has a God-given gift. But there's also something about him that is so obsessive to turn that into something as great as he has turned it into. There are a lot of, of genetic freaks, for lack of a better word in the NBA and those guys are incredible and they're just naturally incredible at it but I think without that obsession like LeBron has uh, you won't become great like he's become and you know we talk about the stats that the the offense is better when he's on the floor the defense is better when he's on the floor but the things that the people don't see um, J.R. Smith went through an actual personal tragedy during the week of the NBA finals that I think to this day still hasn't been reported publicly but he wanted to stay instead of leave because he wanted to be there for LeBron and for the Cavs team. Kyrie Irving told me right after he took that shot in Game 7 that ended up going down as one of the most incredible and clutch in all of NBA history that LeBron gave him the confidence to be able to even pull up and take the shot. So we talk about, okay, well, is he clutch? Does he want to be the last guy to take the shot? It doesn't matter. That conversation pales in comparison to the reality that he's given the guys around him the confidence to step up and be there in those moments as well, and I think that's what makes him so great. All right, so you don't think the Cavs are going to have a big problem with the Pacers. What about the other three Eastern series? Could you foresee if somebody is going to give one of the higher seeds a problem? Is it Chicago against Boston? Is it the Bucks with the Raptors? Is it the Hawks with the Wizards? I think that the Hawks 
Hawks Wizards series could go either way, and I think we'll know after those first couple of games which way that it's actually going to be headed um, based on the consistency of either one of those teams because both of those teams are teams that have seen a lot of ups and downs this season. But I think if any lower seeds were to upset anyone, it would be those young and long, and speaking of freaks, uh, Milwaukee Bucks against the Toronto Raptors. I hate to hold the Raptors' playoff experience against them, but we've seen them crumble in, in playoff series in the past. We've seen a, a much lesser version than the regular season Raptors once the playoffs start. And I think that the Milwaukee Bucks, with the athleticism that they have on that team going into this playoff series, healthy with Chris Middleton back in that lineup, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, who I am convinced will be a superstar in this league, I think if anybody's going to get upset in that first round, it could be the Raptors. Yeah, when you're talking about the when you're talking about the Hawks, Dwight has to be just immense, right? Like that that's the that's the thing. If if Dwight is like 20 and 20 Dwight, then they got a shot at that thing. Yeah, no, I agree with you there, absolutely, because that's going to be where they can take advantage. I think in the John Wall Dennis Schroeder matchup, it's it's not really a conversation. I think that they're going to have to take advantage inside. They're going to have to run their offense through Paul Millsap and Dwight Howard and otherwise. I think the Wizards could run away, no pun intended, with that one. All right, with the Bucks, I you know you can't help but think, man, if they had Jabari Parker, imagine. I mean, they no, no. I mean, listen, nobody yeah. really wants to see him now, but good grief. Uh, I guess, I guess, yeah. what you're saying is, if if you could see anybody, if if I told you there's going to be a Raptors Bucks game seven, that would not surprise you at all. It would not surprise me, no. And Jabari actually had my most improved vote until that injury. So I think he'll be – I mean, he's one to obviously watch in the coming years. But I think that those Bucks, even without him, as they head into this – I mean, they, they finally have a healthy lineup, a healthy roster, of, of course, apart from Jabari. And that was something that they struggled with all season. And inconsistency is something that young players are going to struggle with anyway. But I think that they hit the high note at the right time, and I think that they're going to give the Raptors a run for their money. Did you have an actual vote? I did not have a vote, no. You did not have a vote for everything. Like, you don't have to turn something in. No. Gotcha. I did not have to turn anything right. in, no. Well, let me, let, me, let me ask you the rest of them then, because you said you would give Russ the MVP. Who would you give Coach of the Year to? I think a lot of people thought it would be Spolster if they could have pulled off making it to the playoffs, and it sounds like uh, that's uh, – well, obviously that's not in the cards, but it feels like Spolster's probably not going to get the award uh, just because the team is going to miss the playoffs. Um, who would you give Coach of the Year to? Yeah, I'd be a little bit torn on that one between Steve Kerr and Mike D'Antoni. Steve Kerr simply because, of course, a lot of people would say, well, look at that roster. Anybody could go out there and put that on the floor. But to be able to combine superstars when some of those guys have to sacrifice statistically and still be as successful as they were from the jump and still end up with the best record in the NBA yet again, I think that Steve Kerr would have, well, half my vote. And I can go halvesies because I'm not having a real vote. Uh, and Mike D'Antoni, I would give it to but it's simply because he's handed James Harden the reins and it turns out that was kind of the key to unlocking his greatness not that we haven't seen him be be great in the past but the way that he has run that offense and what's funny is it's the way that he has wanted to run an offense in the NBA for a long time it's just that now the league play has kind of caught up to the kind of offense he wants to run but what he's done with that supporting cast surrounded by James Harden and really given him the reins to be great I think that he would have the other half of my vote. Embiid was going to run away with rookie of the year um, but then he went down Mm -hmm. so he didn't end up playing another enough games who would you give a rookie of the year vote to yeah i mean could we still give it to joel Embiid? he was he was phenomenal in the game i just don't i just I, just, I, just I, think, I think it's just too few games right i mean you wouldn't give yeah. a you couldn't you couldn't How give many it was to it, 31 
Yeah, you couldn't give it to a coach, a coach 31, or you couldn't, I mean, it would be ridiculous to give an MVP to a guy that played 31. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think we can, I don't don't know. I I just don't, if you played 31 of the greatest basketball games ever, you still wouldn't be in contention for the MVP. So I know he's like super likable. He's the best guy on social media. Um, It was all really fun and he was totally awesome. It's just, it's just not enough games. Yeah, it makes sense. I think that his teammate Dario Saric may get my vote then, I think um, because so he was great when he had to step up. Y- you you agree? It feels like Saric or or the kid at uh, Milwaukee Brogdon, one of those two will get it. Yeah, Malcolm, and I like him a lot, and I like also the fact that he told the Bucks not to campaign for him, and in lieu of a campaign, he wanted them to donate the money they would have spent on it to charity, which I think is a really cool thing, and it doesn't seem like a publicity stunt because I've met that kid and I've been around him, and I just called him a kid, which means that I'm getting old. There are grown (laughs) men playing in the NBA that I believe I am old enough to be their mother now, so that's where we are. Defensive Player of the Year, uh, Gortat or Draymond? That's who it's going to come down to. Oh, yeah, no question. Without, Of course, without question. No, I'd have to give it to Dre. Uh, he changes things defensively. It also would be, I mean, Kawhi has to be in that conversation as well, simply because he every single night has to guard the best player on the floor, one to five. I mean, he, he's one of the few guys that has to do that and does do it well. Um, when you watch him, I love watching him on off-ball assignments when he just locking a guy down and not even allowing him to if the ball offensively, I think, is an incredible thing as well. Um, so, yeah, can I go have these on a vote again? Dre yeah, and, and, and by the way, Marcin Gortat just jumped out of his chair when I when I said him instead of uh, Rudy Gobert, of course. <laughs> uh-huh. Is he there? I said, no, no, no. Oh, I said, no, no. I said, I said okay. he's he's listening to this, and I said Gortat or Draymond. Oh, <laughs> a, yeah, no question. I yeah, meant, instead I, of I Rudy. Meant, yeah, I meant, he's <laughs> one of my favorites, by the way. If, of course, he is listening, if he is a devoted listener of Chris Vernon's Ringer podcast. <laughs> Hi, Mar- Martin, I really, I love you, and I miss you. No, I got to tell you a funny Martin Gortat story, though, because we absolutely cannot miss this. So he and I um, actually played a little game with, um, with, with flashcards on Inside Stuff. Um, where where he had to translate whatever I said in Polish. It did not go well, obviously, because I don't speak Polish, and so whatever it was that I was reading didn't go well either. Um, and so we, we have guys say all the time on Inside Stuff, they look into the camera and they say, I'm fill in the blank, and I want the Inside Stuff. So I had an index card that said, in Polish, I want the Inside Stuff. Well... I guess there was something wrong with Google Translate because it translated to something far less appropriate than that. And as soon as I said it in Polish, whatever it was that I said, he looked at me crazy like it was time to cut the cameras. And he's like, "Do you? Are you? Wait, what?" And and I was like, "Wait, what? Did I just say I don't know." That obviously did not make air, but that was one of the funniest moments of any interview that I have ever been in. How did that not make air? Come on. I know. Well, because I mean, inside stuff. It's a kids' show, you know. I like, got come you. on. I got you. Right? <laughs> do, do, do you feel like you have? Do you have a? By the way, do you have a Madrashad's blessing on on inside stuff? Yes, we do. And you I've do? seen him maybe five, yeah, five or six times. I think in the four years since we brought inside stuff back, and he's been so cool. He has been overwhelmingly helpful. Has answered a lot of questions that both Grant and I had because he was part of the original announcement. We were in New York at one of the NBA's press conferences right before we brought it back, and he was the one that sat down with Grant and I to help make the announcement. So he's been really cool. And I've 
heard from two of the former female hosts since then. Also, Willow Bay sent me a message, and Summer Sanders I've gotten to talk to as well. So, so yeah, all of the former, the throwback hosts of Inside Stuff have been awesome to us. Now, let me take a quick break, and I want to ask you about your thoughts on a, a Western Conference, if there's a team that can give one of the top seeds a problem in the Western Conference, and also uh, some, of your, some of your thoughts on being a female broadcaster in the NBA. We'll do that after these words. Major League Baseball is finally back, and as the season gets underway, the Ringer Podcast Network has baseball fans covered with the Ringer MLB show playing for free on the TuneIn app for the month of April. Download the TuneIn app for free and listen to Ben Lindbergh and Michael Bauman break down baseball's biggest stories throughout the opening month of the season. And as a bonus for Ringer listeners, the Ringer Podcast Network has partnered with TuneIn to give baseball fans a free 60-day trial of TuneIn Premium to listen to every live home call from every MLB game around the league. Catch the Ringer MLB show only on TuneIn for the entire month for free. And when you upgrade to TuneIn Premium, you can listen to live MLB games. Just go to TuneIn.com slash Ringer and subscribe. Download the TuneIn app for free and start listening today. Ringer NBA show is also brought to you by HBO. Shout out to Shea Serrano on this one. J. Cole, for your eyes only, a Dreamville film. Grammy-nominated hip-hop star's second HBO special debuts Saturday, April 15th, from 10 to 11 Eastern. The exclusive presentation is a multi-narrative show that combines music performances with intimate interviews documented through Cole's lenses. The special showcases songs from his fourth album, as well as revealing footage containing heartfelt confessions, concerns, and struggles of people in the South. Providing a platform for subjects who feel their stories have not been heard, Cole captures these stories in Baton Rouge, Atlanta, Ferguson, Missouri, Cole's hometown of Fayetteville, North Carolina, and his father's hometown of Jonesboro, Arkansas. Cole's For Your Eyes Only album was released in December 2016, debuting at number one and selling almost 500,000 units in its first week. J. Cole, the special. Tune in Saturday, April 15th from 10 to 11 Eastern Time for the premiere of J. Cole, For Your Eyes Only, a Dreamville film, exclusively on HBO. All right, Kristen, the Warriors are playing the Blazers, Spurs are playing the Grizzlies, Rockets are playing the Thunder, Clippers are playing the Jazz. Um, If one of the lower seeds is going to give a big problem to a higher seed, do you think it could be who? Do you think that I have to go with the grit and grind Memphis Grizzlies because you're the host here? Like, that kind of feels like, <laughs> like if you just slip me a 20 later into the address we discussed <laughs> off air, that would be good. No, I, I do think that the Memphis, Memphis Grizzlies will give the Spurs a handful, but I'm also really excited to watch Portland Golden State. Not because I think that Portland will upset Golden State, but because Damian Lillard with a chip on his shoulder, you talk about chip on your shoulder kind of guys, he is so fun to watch. That guy... I mean, you snub them for anything, and he comes out and makes you pay. So I think the fact that they had to play down until, what, the last two or three days of the regular season to know if they were even going to be in the playoffs, I think that one's going to be fun. And I believe that he's already predicted Blazers in six. So that one's going to be worth watching. Yeah, that, that that's a that's a tough spot if you're Damian Lillard, right? Because that like, we're never going to forget that. Like, you either become when – yeah. when you do a guarantee like that, you either become like uh, – Mark Messier, or you become Benny Agbayani, right? <laughs> like one of the other. One of the other. <laughs> but the thing, what he's not going to say Blazers in seven because it's not realistic that if right. it goes to seven, that the Blazers are going to go to Oracle Arena and win it. So you know, I mean, at least he went in six. He could have said Blazers sweep, and we'd think, oh, well, what's this guy doing? But you know, Bla- 
I'd say believable, but it feels it feels fun to watch, Chris. <laughs> All right. All right, Ledlow, you are a huge sneakerhead. Uh you you, okay. you know, many times you will put up pictures of new sneakers that you got. You're in that world. How many pairs of tennis shoes does Kristen Ledlow own? <laughs> You guys, it's embarrassing. I really don't want to talk about it. I feel like Carrie Bradshaw on Sex in the City when she says, I like my money where I can see it, hanging in my closet. Um, that's my problem. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to think. If I could count in my head, I can picture, let's see, I don't know, a lot. Can I just say a lot? No, so that uh, I don't no you can't say a lot. How many, would you say over <laughs> 200? No, 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 no. I don't have that many pairs of sneakers. No, no I, I don't have more than 200 pairs. Um, I, I have enough to fill every shelf in the current closet that I have at home and enough to fill a closet in my parents' home as well. I, I doubt that that is 200 pairs of sneakers, but I'm also like a throwback sneakerhead. So like I still have all my sneakers from high school basketball as well. So, you know, I mean, it, it's not like I spent it all. I'm trying to justify. Can you tell I'm trying to justify this in my answer? Like I'm dancing around my, my answer because I'm trying to justify. Well, I know you this, like the Jordans. Kind of I know you like. I know you like the Jordans. I know you like the LeBrons. I mean, listen, you, you like all yeah. these shoes. Uh, Kristen Ledlow's three favorite pair. Oh, man. Favorite pair. Okay. Uh, my favorite Jordan is the Throwback 4s. Uh, I actually have some on my feet as we speak right now. You don't know that because this is audio only. I could be barefoot. You don't know. <laughs> but I do have on some Throwback 4s right now. Um, I love the 4s. I love LeBron's 12, and I love the 12 low as well. But you know what pair I have been rocking pretty regularly over the last, well, it's been a couple of years now since he released it, I guess, is the Kyrie 2. That's like the most comfortable sneaker that exists, well, for my foot anyway, and those have become some of my favorites as well. Wow, this was, this was you were ready for that question. I didn't even prep you for that. Throwback, yeah. Jordan throwback no, I know. fours. I, wow. You, hey, you got your bona fides. Listen, you threw out Jordan throwback really fours, LeBron 12s, Kyrie 2s. It kinda, yeah, it kind of tells you, it kind of gives you a hint into, like, what I'm thinking about around the clock on a regular basis. <laughs> like, when I'm just looking like I'm dazed and, and kind of just looking into the, that's the kind of stuff I'm thinking about. If you have any Justin Timberlake questions also, I'll be prepared for that as well. These are the kinds of things that fill my thoughts throughout the day. Oh, that meme that you, uh, that, that meme that goes around where you were sitting at the press conference? <laughs> You're actually thinking yeah. about shoes. No, you know what I was thinking about in that picture in the sad Ledlow meme? Yeah. I was I was thinking about Rice Krispies. And but the reason I was thinking about them is because we were at Summer League and have you been to Summer League out in Vegas? No. Okay, well you don't have to go. You can watch it on NBA TV, as can everyone else that's listening, because it is long days. It's so hot out there. I have to wear that blue polo. And, you know, I'm sitting there, and, and they brought lunch to the guys. Like, so I believe it was Smitty, and a couple of the guys were calling the game, and I'm the sideline reporter on the broadcast, and they bring lunch to those guys. Like, a sandwich and a soda and also a Rice Krispie treat. It was like I was fine with the sandwich and the soda, but then they bring them a Rice Krispie treat, and I'm looking at them from across the way, and they put the camera on me without my knowledge, and they asked me how I felt about being the one snubbed out of the Rice Krispie treat, and boom, there's your sad Ledlow meme. You have so many young girls that now look up to you. I'm sure there's not a day goes by that somebody doesn't ask you for advice or how did you get into this or what should I do if I want to do your job? What are what are the pieces of advice that you find yourself giving the most to young aspiring female broadcasters? 
Yeah, and it's so crazy that you even asked that question because I feel like I was on the other side of it just a few years ago. It's just such a short time ago, and there's no – it feels like there's no real humble way to answer this. Like, because knowing that there are young girls who look at the things that I do and want to do them is just an overwhelming thing to me. But one of the things that I tell them all the time, especially college students who are looking to get into this business for the very first time and looking to get their foot in the door, is that if there is any other thing on this planet that you want to do more, do that thing. <laughs> because this role, this position, this this career is something that requires all of what you have, but it's something that I wanted and, and I wanted to pursue from the time that I was a little girl. So it always felt worth it to me. And I always know the girls who are going to be the ones who make it, who are going to be the next me, the next Beatle, the next Sage, the next Rachel, the next Doris, you know, the OG. Uh, the, I always know who's going to be the one to step into that place because it's the one who, who knows that this is the thing that she wants more than any other thing. Um, and so it just, I mean, again, it, it doesn't seem like there's any humble way to say I feel humbled to be in this position and that little girls even pay attention to what I'm doing at all. But, but yeah, every time that I have a young woman reach out to me and ask me how to do what it is that I do, that's one of the many things that I tell them. What is the biggest challenge for you as being a female broadcaster? I mean, obviously it feels like, you know, when you watch it on TV, every, you know, nobody treats you any differently or whatever, but I know that, you know, you see this stuff and stories are written all the time that female broadcasters have, they have a different life than do their male counterparts when it comes to yeah. audience and when it comes to feedback. Without question. And I think the toughest part about it is there's no room or little room for error. I think that there is a lot more leniency given to men in these positions. Not that there shouldn't be, because most of the men in these positions played in the NBA for a whole lot of years. So if one of those guys mispronounces a name, it just seems like he mispronounced a name. But if I do it, it seems like, oh, okay, well, she got her job because look at her. You know, so I think that the, the margin for error is so much smaller. And you have to work harder, I believe, in order to prove your worth there, in order to prove that you are meant to be in that position, rather than just look at that girl in that position and that she's there, obviously, because, well, it's TV and we got to have something to watch on mute. So I think that that's probably the toughest thing. Among many other obstacles, that I think is the, is the biggest one. Kristen Ledlow with Turner Sports, NBA reporter and co-host of Inside Stuff, and she is going to be on the sidelines for the Cavs and the Pacers. Uh, TNT, you're going to be able to watch all kinds of playoff games. They're going to have more games than any other network, beginning with a triple header this Sunday, first and second round action, an exclusive presentation of the 2017 Eastern Conference Finals, and NBA TV is going to air up to nine originally produced telecasts during the first round of the playoffs. I know you're going to be super busy. Thanks for taking the time to come on today, Chris. And I've been I've been wanting to get oh, you on this show course. all season. I'm glad we made it happen. I'm glad we did too. And the day after playoffs were set, it's good timing. Do you remember, by the way, the year that you and I were seated next to each other at SEC Media Days? And look at us now, Chris Gordon. I look do. I told. I, and in fact, I told Tate Frazier before you <laughs> came on. I said, you know, I've known Ledlow for years. I said she did sports radio in Atlanta. I don't know how many people listening to this know that, but you were on sports radio in Atlanta years ago. Uh, just like me covering SEC media, I mean, we're interviewing like, uh, you know, whoever it was, Cam Newton or whoever was there at the time, right? It was AJ McCarron that year, Aaron yeah. Murray that year. Yeah. <laughs> It was a good year for SEC football. It was a good year for us, too, Chris. <laughs> You're the best. Thanks, Kristen. <laughs> Thanks for having me, bud. I'll talk to you soon.
All right, that's going to do it for another Ringer NBA show. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes. And remember, Bill Simmons going to come on tomorrow. Big playoff preview blowout on the Ringer NBA show. We'll talk to you then. Thanks again to this episode's sponsor, J. Cole, For Your Eyes Only, a Dreamville film. The Grammy-nominated hip-hop star's second HBO special, which debuts Saturday, April 15th from 10 to 11 Eastern. This exclusive presentation is a multi-narrative that combines music performances with intimate interviews documented through Cole's lens. The special showcases uh, songs from his fourth album, as well as revealing footage containing the heartfelt confessions, concerns, and struggles of people in the South. J. Cole connecting with the community, and you're going to hear his music, too. Tune in Saturday, April 15th. 10 to 11 Eastern for the premiere of J. Cole, For Your Eyes Only, a Dreamville film, exclusively on HBO.